2: 257 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Wednesday, February 3rd, 2016, and available for download or streaming on Monday, February 8th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. Uh, Tony? Yes. Where's Elijah? Uh,
3: I have stuffed him in a trunk somewhere for being very naughty. He'll be back later when this punishment's done.
2: Ah, Okay, well, this will be interesting then, won't
3: it? I I hope so. Hmm.
2: Okay, well, (laughs) well, at least we've got in the recording booth, as always, our audio engineer, Winters, who should hopefully keep us on track.
0: Hello, everybody.
2: So, Tony, tell us what's coming up in this episode.
3: This week, we start by trekking out one of the most important restoration projects in human history at least from a Trekkie's point of view. In Star Trek Online news, Kenna and guest host James will be drooling over the Paradox Temporal Dreadnought and definitely not ranting about the Omega Particle minigame. Later, on screen, Cookie and Elijah review the TNG episode, The Battle. Then, when we visit the promenade with Jake Morgan, we get to hear about the latest Star Trek products you're going to want to add to your collection. And of course, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
2: Captains, we love hearing from you, so please join in on the discussion by leaving us comments on our website, priorityonepodcast.com, on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priorityonepodcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at priority pod. You can also leave us a voicemail using SpeakPipe, which we love getting. Just click on the widget on our homepage.
3: And finally, thanks again to all our Patreon supporters, old and new, who make this show possible from week to week. With your help, we can keep improving the quality and content of the show. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash priority one and find out about all the cool perks we have to offer. Now let's check out the latest news in the restoration of an iconic Star Trek prop. Jim I don't
0: know. Then let's trek it out.
3: everyone is doing their part to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, including the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum. Up until September of 2015, the original Enterprise model, used for all 79 episodes of the original series, was on display at the Smithsonian. Unfortunately, it was showing some serious wear and tear and was taken down in order to be restored to its original beauty. In an article for the Washington Post, Michael E. Ruane describes the Enterprise model as being important and quote, a piece of history along with the Wright Brothers' flyer and Charles Lindbergh's Spirit of St. Louis, end quote. That's some hefty praise, especially for something that's never really flew. But did it have to really function in space or be real in order for it to be important? I think not. Let's be honest. Star Trek has influenced myriad technologies and scientific advancements. This model, made of wood and fiberglass, has had as much influence on our world today as the first airplane. Which leads us to our first community question this week. How has Star Trek influenced your life? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at priority1podcast.com forward slash PO257 or by visiting us on Facebook and Twitter. The restored Enterprise model will be back on display by the summer of 2016 at the Boeing Milestones of Flight Hall.
2: So are you going to make a, a day trip to D.C. then, Tony?
3: Uh, no, I will not be making a day trip to the D- to D.C. Although, when Elijah wrote the copy for him, that he might do that. You know, Jersey to D.C. Yeah. ain't no thing. Uh, Kansas uh, to D.C. I will also not
2: be making a day trip there. I used to live in D.C., actually, and in fact, I worked at the Smithsonian for a summer, and uh, I can highly recommend the, all of the Smithsonian museums, as a matter of fact. so Did you know that they actually have, um, they have got a, a cafe for employees down underneath the ground, and I remember we had, to, uh, we had to go through this sort of complicated network of tunnels in order to get to this little place that so- served amazing sandwiches, so there you go.
3: So we're all so jealous now. You can get the secret sandwiches and we can't.
2: Yeah. The Smithsonian, seriously though, is a cool place to go. It's just a cool place to hang out. Dead easy to get to if you're in D.C. And um, the breadth of stuff that you can go and see just by walking around the mall is amazing. So highly recommended. But, yes. Sorry, I'll stop waffling on about the Smithsonian. No, um, it, it's and an
3: excellent museum. I, mean, I, I visited there when I was a teenager. And, yeah, the, the Air and Space Museum is something absolutely it's it's well worth uh, well worth the price of admission
2: yeah well and all of them really because you could do a day out and if you're like me and i don't i'm not one of those people that goes and reads everything
4: (laughs) i don't go and read all the
2: placards and take 400 million hours to go around a museum because yawn but uh if you're like me you could pretty much do three or four of the museums and you got natural history museum and there's national gallery and all sorts of stuff there that you can go and see so yeah good times
3: so, yeah. do you guys remember seeing the Enterprise as something that was, like, cool and, like, you know, really high-tech and advanced, or did it always look clunky to you? Uh, always cool. Always cool. Always.
2: I I must have spent every night dreaming about living on the Enterprise. Of course, it was the Enterprise D.
3: Yeah, I, time, uh-huh, right, exactly. The, the floating oh, hotel. Man. Winter. Sometime, the, the, the Enterprise A did not evoke those feelings for you. There's Not the A, the original. The,
0: the, the 1701.
2: N- not, not so much.
0: Yeah, I'm the same as well. The first one didn't. Enterprise-D, when I seen that, I was just, yeah, that's that's what it's supposed to look like. Because that looked cool.
3: Yeah, there's a real generation gap here. I mean, there, uh, because, uh, and and uh, there's a, a, two or three years ago, one of the conventions, Neil deGrasse Tyson got up and talked about how earth-shattering the original Enterprise was. And after that, everyone sort of expected spaceships to maybe look different you know it was mm-hmm. it, it was sort of groundbreaking at the time because until then it was all fins and rockets, right but yeah. this one was like maybe we have to like do some things other than fins and rockets to make spaceships go. you know that was the first one that was in the in, the, in pop culture that you know, that looked like it might be really futuristic. Mm-hmm. but by the time the 80s rolled around Star Trek Next Generation, even that design sort of looked antiquated. So it, it but it, it's it, it, it'll be interesting to see what next thing they hang up in the Smithsonian next to the Enterprise. You know, you got the Wright Brothers flyer, Starship Enterprise. What's going to hang next to it?
2: Yeah. Well, it's a bit difficult now because anything else that is uh, purposely different is going to always really feel a bit contrived, isn't it? Because anything yes. else that's different is going to feel like, unless there's unless there's that good pseudoscience behind it. It's you know, Bingo. plausible, believable. Yep. Then you you'll feel like they're just making it different for difference' yeah. sake.
3: One of the things we talked about the last time I was on, or one of the last times I was on, was that the, in the show bible, Roddenberry had sort of like said, "Well, you have to have warp engines, and the warp engines have to like see each other across the hull, and have to like be above the saucer." And, and you know, he had rules, right? He had he had pseudo reasons for that. Yeah. So, until we can get that museum piece restored, is there anything else we can do this summer, Kenna?
2: Well, as a matter of fact, Tony, there is. So, uh, last week, Elijah completely geeked out, which was, you know, a little embarrassing, but we'll let him have it, about the awesome celebrations happening in New York City this year in celebration for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. So, fortunately now, those of us who are across the pond, who maybe can't get to New York City, we don't have to feel left out anymore. So we've finally had details about Destination Star Trek Europe, which this year is being held at the NEC in Birmingham in the UK. Now, William Shatner uh, sort of tweeted about this. It was meant to be announced on the 2nd of February, but he actually tweeted about it over the weekend, which was kind of funny, but uh, yeah, we enjoyed it. Anyway, he's headlining the event, and they're having additional appearances from Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, Terry Farrell, and even Christopher Lloyd, among others. Now, this is a three-day event that's taking place on October 7th through the 9th, which gives it an extra day on the last one, which was back in 2014, and I was totally there. Now, I'm super excited for this con because for most of the country, well, the UK, it's a lot easier to get to Birmingham than it is East London, which is where it was held last time. But I know that some international fans are bound to be a little disappointed because... Well, Birmingham's not a huge tourist attraction, and it's not that simple to get down to London if you were hoping to do some sightseeing. But as far as the con goes, it's bound to be a good one. Last time they were a bit swamped by the size of the Excel Centre, and while the Excel Centre is accessible to London, the NEC is actually much easier to get to if you're travelling by plane or by car. So as far as what's going on, details are still pretty thin, but I'm sure we'll hear more about it soon. Last time, they had a full-on reunion of the TNG cast and a replica TNG bridge as well. And they're also going to have the Filmwelt Costume and Prop Museum exhibiting, which has got a a real dazzling display of various costumes, props, well, as you'd expect, Uh, And you can go and see them right up close or in glass cases, and you can go and have a tour around it and it's totally free. Now, probably the best thing about this con is that the tickets are really affordable. A three-day pass is only £49, but do be warned that literally everything costs extra. So that is a bit annoying if you want to get everything signed by everyone, because that's going to cost you. Uh, But then again, you might get lucky like I was last time and accidentally run into Michael Dorn. So who knows?
3: And did he stop and sign something for you? Uh,
2: No, I didn't realize who it was.
3: Yeah, he's he's skinny, and he's tall, and he wears those glasses.
2: Oh, and he's incredibly handsome. He's like the
3: anti-warf in real life.
2: Yeah, totally. And I didn't even realize, because I was so embarrassed about having nearly physically run into him, and I just thought, he's this beautiful man that I've just nearly run down.
3: So you were just sort of embarrassed and sort of, you know, a little tongue-tied, because you thought, oh, I I almost ran into this, you know, nice-looking guy. Yeah. He's like, oh, another Star Trek fan has recognized me and almost had an embarrassing it Happens all the time.
2: Yeah, he's like, to- like yeah, he would never remember it. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay, okay. But if he totally did, he should write into the show and, and, and say, hey, I remember you, because that was awesome.
3: <laughs> Operators are standing by, Mr. Dorn.
2: <laughs> Operators are standing <laughs> by. The lines <laughs> are open. Lines are
3: open. <laughs> Feel free to call in.
2: Yeah, anytime.
3: So, so yeah, it, it's the the experience that you're, you're describing here is much like the Las Vegas convention. If you know, if you want a signature from these guys, you're gonna pay for a ticket. Um, yeah. If you want to, don't bring in your own headshots and your own stuff because they have their rules about what's, At least in at Las Vegas anyway, that, yeah. they have their own rules about what they will actually or they're allowed to sign contractually. You know, so it's, it's yeah. you know, I mean, and I'm not gonna begrudge the guys. This is kind of what something they do to make a living these days and that's fine with me but it just seems it's, it's very controlled, uh, at least on the state side yeah. um, that whole
0: process So, but it's cool to see him. I'd imagine it would be the same here as well.
2: Yeah well I went, I went in 2014 mm-hmm. and it cost an arm and a leg but then I was completely desperate to go because It it really was a full TNG cast reunion and I paid for like the premium seats to see the the talk at the end. And that was great because it was William Shatner um, emceeing and it was like the whole TNG cast and totally, totally worth it. But it did, you know, it it is it is a slightly misleading that the tickets are quite cheap, but actually to do anything you have to pay again um so just watch out for that but i and i wasn't sure if that was the case in other cons because this is the only one that i've been to um yeah I, but it sounds some like of the it talks and the things
3: you can you know you can get the preferred seating but some of them um you know you can get the cheap seats the nosebleed section you know those are yeah. those are you know no additional charge you know comes free yeah. with the price of admission yay you know, you watch it on the jumbotron hanging from the ceiling you don't you can't actually make them out on the stage See little stick figures off in the distance, you know.
2: Oh, the bald one, that's got to
3: be Patrick Stewart. No, that could be Michael Dorn. (laughs) I can't tell from this distance.
2: (laughs) Well, the one thing that I am looking forward to is this time around, Jonathan Frakes is meant to come, and he was meant to come in 2014 and had to cancel at the last minute, and I was gutted because I'd paid to to have my picture taken with him. Um, And then I ended up... getting my picture taken with um gates mcfadden instead and but the sad thing is that this is how fangirl i am for jonathan Frakes, which is really embarrassing but i'd actually i actually bought a copy of the graphic novel from castle that he when he did his guest appearance in castle that he took and had castle sign- oh, yeah. uh-huh. so I bought the graphic novel because you can yeah, buy yeah. all the castle yeah. graphic novels and stuff right so I actually have a copy yeah. of that sitting on my shelf so that the next time I meet him I can give him that to sign could, uh, and, and and tell him that I'm nice. his number one fan nice.
3: that was a great bit
2: it was it was hilarious yeah. that was a great show anyway
3: yeah I, I don't watch all the castle episodes I think I quit after that season two. You know, it, okay. it, that's it's a great bit uh, that and and Castle frequently has all these kind of cameos uh, yeah. the, of of random uh, people, and that's that Jonathan Frakes bit was a great bit. But I think one person that kind is kind of been overlooked in this discussion, Christopher Lloyd. I know. I mean, that guy, uh, you know, just I mean, he's uh, he's had an amazing career, and only once was he in Star Trek. But I think he's really unsung. Mm. I, he helped define what Klingons are. And that, and I'll really, say that to to my dying breath that guy was was the ultimate Klingon. yeah i mean so that that's i think that, that's that's a catch right there to have him to have him at the at the convention
2: yeah wasn't he also in that um there was that other film that was like nobody ever heard of but it was he like played a mad scientist or something
3: there and was a uh, really niche minor and... role minor role yeah, kind of it an was indie like, film yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i think it did well internationally but yeah. not not such a big deal here in the states. I mean, it may yeah, have been big over here. Maybe that's why you're more aware. Uh, yeah, maybe. there was
2: something like a really cool car or something, but I can't remember. There was
3: a car and for some reason I'm seeing trains and cowboys and also yeah. also a giant casino. I there's it was just kind of it was kind of scattered. I mean, let's be yeah. let's be frank. It was kind of scattered. Uh, not didn't really have a really linear story to it to be to be frank. Hard kind of to follow. jumped
2: around a little bit. Yeah,
3: jumped around. <laughs> Hard to fall. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, and and you know it's kind of cheesy on the production values too, because like the same actors would play multiple characters. Yeah. They like they just slap different makeup on them, and they'd be like, "Come on, I, come on, seriously, you can't hire different people for different." It, it was, yeah. That's,
2: well, I heard it was pretty low budget, very you know indie, mm, sketchy, not big studio, you know, no name
3: yeah yeah, yeah yeah. They, they try to beef it up, beef it up with like uh, like with appearances by bands like rock bands. But everyone yeah. sort of saw through that as really kind of a, a cheap you know gimmick thing. So yeah yeah, but Christopher Lloyd and Star Trek now there they're a signature role, really.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: All right, now let's find out what happened this weekend, Star Trek Online.
0: Computer status report.
1: Status
3: Incoming message.
1: I'm only in the mood for good news today.
2: Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where James and I are going to bring you up to speed on the latest news about Star Trek Online. So you may have noticed that there was one ship in the huge raft of ships that came out last week, which we sort of glossed over. Now, that was mostly because we didn't want to just shove it in there with all the other information that came out, and we wanted to give it its own piece because frankly, a lot of people are excited about it. It's the Tier Six Paradox Class Temporal Dreadnought. Now, this is a ship that is only available through the lobby store for a whopping 900 lobby. That means it will be out of reach for most players, since that is the equivalent of more than 200 lockboxes, nearly a billion energy credits, or about 28,000 zen. Now, I don't quite know what that is in real-world money, but it's pushing $300. Now, that said, it's no surprise that this ship is on many players' wish lists now. So a little background on this ship. This is essentially a mirror version of the Wells Temporal Science Vessel. Now, the Wells supposedly is the same class of ship that Captain Janeway encountered in the Voyager episode Relativity. It was a 29th century Federation time ship captained by Captain Braxton, who later turned out to be the saboteur responsible for attempting to destroy Voyager late in the 24th century. Now, as you might expect from a mirror vessel, the Paradox Temporal Dreadnought combines the temporal power of its cousin, the Wells, with certain control effects typical of technology from the mirror universe. It's got good hull and shield stats, seven weapon slots, and it features both command and intel boff seating. It differs from its cousin in that there's a hangar bay as well, equipped with Aeon Timeship pets. And of course, what will be of particular interest to many captains are the Universal Console and Starship Mastery Trait. So James, why don't you tell us about those?
5: Thanks. So let's start with the console, the Temporal Rift Stabilizer. When Activate creates a Gravwell or Tiken Rift like temporal anomaly, well several of them actually, which causes kinetic damage when an enemy is trapped within them. Additionally, it also provides a passive boost to turn rate and exotic damage even when it's not in use. If you're lucky enough to have this ship and a temporal science vessel and or a temporal destroyer, you'll be able to benefit from the console set bonuses, which can apply additional hold effects and reduce recharge times. Next it's the Starship Mastery trait, which you'll unlock once you reach tier 5 mastery. Unstable Anomalies causes Gravwell and tiken Rift to inflict heavy kinetic damage within a 5 km area, effectively upgrading those abilities. Basically what you're looking at is one of the most advanced science ships in the game. Now, I haven't had a chance to fly this one around, and I probably wouldn't know what to do with it even if I did, but I'm excited to see what some of the community will do with it, particularly when it comes to showing off some really good science attack capabilities. So, Kenna, what do you think of this uh, new starship?
2: (sighs) Well, I want it. I will probably never, ever have it, (laughs) which just kind of makes me sad, because let me tell you why, because it looks... Awesome, and it also looks theoretically like you could take a science vessel and do some serious damage with it. And I, I just, uh, I hate to be like a DPS chaser because it's not all about DPS. But it's a really, it's like a really nice, easy way to measure how how you're doing, how you're progressing, how you're getting better at the game. So like, yeah, I, I just, I just like the idea that, especially with that starship mastery trait. That just really upgrades your Gravwell or Titans Rift um, into something that's, you know, really attack, not just holding. Um, I just like it and I want it, but I don't know.
5: Yeah, I am, I am always with, uh, you know, science ships in this one with that. And then even the Tarantula, which I got out of a lockbox last week. I played the lockbox lottery, got it on the fourth one. So that Starship Mastery trait with this one on a science build, uh, I'm telling you science ships got a lot of love and i think uh you could definitely do some really good heavy duty uh builds with science ships now with these two new ships and the traits
2: yeah but (laughs) oh god what you have to save up to get there i know it's a lot
5: it's it is and uh yeah it is about 300 dollars worth uh over here uh, across the pond in america for that ship and uh I know a lot of people will probably do the low B and, uh, you, you know, also research and development boxes when they do the promotional weekends, you can get low B out of those. So, uh, You'll have a di- couple, I think you'll have a couple different ways if you really want to do it and just don't want to go straight up lock boxes. So. Uh, well, yeah. There's there's I'll, nothing
2: in this game that you can't get free. I mean, that's that's one of the big draws that that one of the big things that I like about Star Trek Online that there literally is nothing that you can't get for free. It might take you a while, <laughs> but you can you you can get it for free by shifting your currencies around. But you'd have to be really really determined. Or just really, really space rich to begin with in order to in order to score yourself one of these.
5: Well, the Bank of Only is not sending me the 10,000 gold bricks of gold press platinum, so I don't know if I'll be getting it anytime soon myself.
2: Yeah. What about you, Winters?
0: Just like you guys, I really like the ship. Um, it looks really badass. Uh, the trait on it is absolutely fantastic. I would really like to get this ship. Now, I actually do have the Lobby. But I would have to think long and hard about which character I would want to throw the ship onto um, before I'd actually make the the purchase, because it is a lot of lobby. And unfortunately, it's one per character. So, yeah, as I said, I really like it. I just don't know if I'm going to make the plunge with it. Or if I do, I'll have to think long and hard about it.
2: There is one last thing that I would like to add about this ship. It's really pretty. Did I already say that? Because... It's really pretty. I really like it.
0: I think it looks pretty badass. And know, oh.
2: And I know that we've seen it before, because it, it is it is the wells, but it just it just looks cool. And I like a ship that looks cool. What I like about it is that it's a federation ship. It's like a proper federation ship that is not a saucer hull tuna cells or four eight or however many they're doing these days but it's it's a it's a proper federation ship it's just from like way in the future so it's really cool looking
5: oh i know it'd be a great starship to fly around when you do the omega particle game
2: <laughs> do you know james that is a great segue but seriously though we did the next thing we wanted to talk about really was the omega particle game because this minigame divides so many people and i wanted to. Get the two of you around a table and discuss it because some people absolutely love it and think it's amazing and some people don't and i want to see where you guys stand and i wanted to talk through some of the issues that that people are encountering so i hate the omega game (laughs) yeah i do i hate it i uh, oh the daily takes bloody forever and it's hard to do on more than one character even on one character it feels like a really hard slog to do it because you're just flying around for it forever i hate it and then i have so many problems with getting the stupid little cursor up and down and then it glitches so then i miss like four particles or whatever and i just i feel constantly frustrated because everyone's like oh yeah i get two thousand points or more every time and i'm like I just about hit a thousand points every time, and I feel really, really crap about it. (laughs) So that's my take on it, anyway. What about you guys?
0: I think that uh, it's a big improvement on last year. It's still a little buggy. But not nearly as bad as last year. There is a massive improvement upon last year because I remember the ordeal that it was last year when the Omega minigame first came out, and it was an absolute nightmare. It has improved dramatically, but it's still not 100%. Sometimes when I'm doing it, it uh, skips out. I can be getting like a a line of four omega uh, particles all on the same line and every now and then it will just skip past like four or five of them and i don't get credit for them even though i didn't have to move the cursor at all also one of the other bugs that i've noticed is again this is one from last year but it's not happening quite as often but still a little bit is that other people can interfere with my mini game and cut it off midstream so that is still an issue that people are having. It is uh, not nearly as bad as last year, but it is still there. It is happening. And that's happened to me quite a few times. But I I really like the game, as I said. It's a big improvement on last year. I'm getting, on average, well over 2,000 on a score, or max out at 2,700. So I think that it's... Uh, It has improved an awful lot from last year, uh, but there's still a few little bugs and tweaks that need to be worked out of it before it's 100%. Yeah, Winters,
5: I agree agree with you on it. Uh, I agree with you, Winters, as far as the bugginess. It uh, was last year terrible. I hated it last year. I couldn't stand it. I wanted to just rip it out of the computer and throw it away. And this year I've ran it and it is it is remarkably a lot better and my score has gone up. I'm averaging, you know, minimum, you know, 15 1,600 points and that's not even really like sitting there trying really hard. So um, it, it has it has become a lot better. I en- I enjoy it more. No, I'm not all into wanting to probably sit for eight hours grinding out on this because it just gets a little repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. Uh, I would probably have to be listening to some very loud music to be able to get through that, or my next-door neighbor playing his drums. So uh, I, I I definitely like that they made improvement on it. Is there a little bit more? Yeah. Will we see it? I don't know. If we don't, I'm happy with it right now.
2: Okay, so I wanted to talk about this, because both of you guys are doing significantly better at this minigame than I am. Tell me how you play it, like if you have any secret tips or anything like that.
0: Well, when I'm playing the Omega minigame, I'm using the mouse, not the keyboard.
2: <laughs> no, anyway, I'm just going to stop, because I didn't know you could use the mouse. And I feel like a real idiot for this, because I, because I, okay, background to this, whenever you do, you know, the little scan trionium or whatever, I always use the keyboard, um, never use the mouse, because the keyboard is just a lot faster for that. And I didn't, because there's no like little doohickeys to press, I just assumed you couldn't use the mouse. So I've always used the keyboard. So am I, am am I being really thick here?
0: (laughs) You're not alone. Uh, I know uh, there's been quite a few members within, within my own fleet who were like, wait a minute, you can use the mouse. They just didn't realize that you could use the mouse and they were using keys. And when they found out, they were like, oh my God, this is so much easier. So you're not alone there. There are many players out there who do not realize you can actually use the mouse.
2: Is it the wheelie bit? Because I tried the wheel and that doesn't work.
0: No, you just have to place the cursor over the different uh, lanes and you just move it up and down between the lanes and that's it. If the cursor is right at the um, point of where one of the omega omega traces hits uh, the end line, that's it, you've captured it and you just move the cursor then down or up you don't move it left or right it just goes up or down simple as that
2: oh dude i'm gonna try that next time that sounds so much easier than trying to trying to get those three little taps in to get to move it up three lines when you're like towards the end when it's going really fast it's like impossible and so frustrating
0: i'm using the mouse and uh, when when i'm doing it i uh, as it's counting down three two one I kind of move the mouse up to the very top line and down to the bottom line and I find a happy medium so that my arm is or my you know hand wrist action isn't stretching too much in either one direction. I find the happy medium and that way then I can just you know, very easily move up and down between the four lanes and I as I said before, I'm getting on average two thousand per score if not twenty seven hundred.
2: Yeah, and that's going to make a big difference to what you get out of it, isn't it? Yes.
0: If you get, I know, 2300, you get uh, three sliver, uh, three traces and one sliver. And on occasion, uh, between 2300 score or 2700 score, you may get a shard or a fragment. That only comes every now and then. It's not a guaranteed certainty, but uh, between that ballpark, there is a chance of getting... Uh, either a shared or a fragment uh, as a bonus.
5: One of the things that I also do, and I'm I'm like winners. I kind of set it up, you know, move it up and down. I also, you know, if I need to, I will adjust the DPI on my mouse so that, uh, you know, if it seems to be a little slow, sluggish, I can, you know, increase that, increase the speed. Uh, So that might be some other tips and tricks for the players out there to kind of take a look at to, uh, you know, increase their score and get more out of the game and actually enjoy it.
2: God, you guys are like Omega minigame power users. I'm so impressed right now. Well, there's only one little tip that I actually heard from another one of the the guys in the Priority One fleet, which is about... Uh, basically how to set yourself up for farming um, which was a really good idea and has helped me to to farm a lot because before I was literally flying my ship around trying to find all the different places and then flying around a lot I've actually now set up uh, three of my alts that I'm not playing normal missions on. One of each in a ground location with a male in a different color (laughs) so I just cycle between them because you know sometimes they just despawn and then you can't find anymore so I've got got one guy on Drazana, one guy on Bajor, and one guy on somewhere else, I can't remember. And basically I just run around and and do all of all of them that I can find. Uh, once they're gone, I go and mail them to myself and then switch on to the next guy. And actually that's pretty efficient. So
0: You actually brought up a very good point there about them uh, despawning. That's actually another bug that I've noticed. For example, Earth Space Dock, um the Academy, Sometimes there are no traces on those maps, and there are just two maps that I know of. They are not there.
2: But are you sure that it's not just in certain areas? Because one of my one of my alts I've got stationed on Ganalda Station. That's it. And there's three different, three or four different sort of rooms. There's like a hallway. There's the main room. There's a there, anyway. There's a bunch of rooms, and they there it cycles. So what'll happen is I'll run around a room doing all the Omega Particles in one room, and then they'll all disappear. And I'll run down the hallway to the next room. They're all there. So I'll go and do all of them there, and then they'll disappear, and they'll go to the other room, and then they're all there.
0: Yeah, no, I've done that on K7. K7 works the very same as that one. But uh, Starfleet Academy, I've been there. I have searched the entire map. I've used the tricorder to track them down, and they are not in the places that is meant to be indicated sometimes uh, it, it is clearly a bug sometimes the traces are not spawning sometimes the air but sometimes they're not and it has happened to me quite a few times and I've seen it in chat as well people are like how come there's no uh, traces on the map anywhere I can't find them so that is actually another bug uh, that you uh, reminded me of
2: yeah which it that's fine if you're just farming because you switch to another alt or something I don't know but really really annoying if you're doing the daily because I've had this happen to me before where you go to, f- to whatever location to find your trace and it's not there you-, you can drop the mission but if you go back it's still the same mission and you literally can't move past it, and you get stuck, and then you've lost a day, which is quite annoying. Hasn't happened to me yet this year, so that may have just been something from last year. So the next thing I wanted to talk about was, is it really worth doing? <laughs> because everything below the Omega upgrade is available on the exchange.
0: I can sum that up or answer that in three words. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> Ditto.
2: Okay. I'll take your word for it. I'm kind of like, I'm pretty lazy. I don't like grinding stuff. I don't like farming stuff. I can't be bothered. You can actually, because I was on the other day looking at the exchange and it seems to have stabilized a bit now. But there was there was a couple of days when you could make a quick 200k EC just by buying slivers and crafting them into shards and selling them. And I, I, did, I made a couple million that way. It seems to have stabilized now, so everything's sort of back into its sort of correct ratios. But uh, for a while, it was like that. And I just kind of wonder, you know, towards the end of the the event, am I going to be better off actually just hoarding all of my traces and then selling them at the end for people who need extras to get their upgrades?
0: Well, in the terms of uh, earning energy credits, it is definitely worth it. They are so highly sought after it is definitely worth getting as much of this stuff as you possibly can get possibly like you said sitting on it for a while let the market dry up a little bit and then start posting them up so the prices start going back up you know supply supply and demand even if you don't want to do that it is still worth it to get these to upgrade your gear they are so good for upgrading your gear number one and probably one the biggest thing there is no Dilithium cost to use these things. Number two, they've got twice the amount of tech points as a normal tech upgrade. A normal superior tech upgrade. hundred or 25,600, I think, or 25,400. So that's twice the amount. Imagine if you were using them over an upgrade weekend. That is a lot of tech points. Imagine the Dilithium you're saving, actually, even better. Then there's the third point. They have a four times quality improvement chance. If you're using any boosts with that for quality improvement, it is going to help you get your gear up to epic a hell of a lot quicker, easier, and cheaper.
2: Yeah, what you really want to do is farm everything you can and get your upgrades and then sit on them until upgrade weekend, don't you? Mm Mm-hmm. Really? I totally get that point. But is it really worth it? <laughs> if you are in the process of of leveling up your gear, then yes. Where I'm at with my main tune, everything's at Mark 14. Is it going to make that much difference getting it all to gold?
0: You could probably see a 10, 10%, maybe pushing 20% increase in your damage output.
2: Just by going from uh, ultra rare to gold.
0: Yeah, like, if if you're taking, uh, let's say, a tactical ship with five fleet tactical consoles, you know, each one of those consoles is boosting every weapon by five times whatever the upgraded amount. Plus, then you have all your weapons that are upgraded and have a slightly higher DPS. So, yeah, I'd say you'd probably see an extra 10% damage increase from bringing all your gear up to Epic. Not needed. It is by no means needed in order to play the game, but if a lot of people like to get their gear to the max level and have really good gear you know it's it's worth it
2: i do just i really wish that the omega upgrades were available on the exchange or well i wish that i could sell them on the exchange because there are i think there are, for me there are a lot more things that i would rather have if i had a, if i if i could exchange them for energy credits i would because there's other things that i would buy first besides upgrades
0: well in a way you can you can just upgrade everything to what's the final one fragments and you can sell the fragments You can farm the hell out of this and bring them all your traces up to fragment level and uh, then sell them.
2: Maybe I'll do that because I'm saving up for quite a few things that basically cost energy credits. Uh, Or they cost, or they're in the low buy store, um, in which case, because I don't tend to put in Zen for lockbox keys, I tend to basically buy them off the exchange, which is really bad and probably contributing to the fact that they're four and a half million EC each. But you know. I think for now I'm just going to keep on farming when I can. It's just a shame because, you know, this comes on to my last question, which was, is it fun? My problem is I have limited time to log into the game. I mean, you know, I'm lucky on average if I get an hour a night and I've got a couple of alts and I'm trying to do some story content. I kind of feel because it does take a while and I, I kind of feel like it's taking away. I feel guilty for playing story content because I should be farming and I don't, I don't like that feeling.
5: Yeah, there's a level, there is a level of fun with it, you know, Uh, even if it's just personal, you're wanting to have a high score, beat your best, or if you've got a group of friends, you know, in your fleet or whatnot, you all can, you know, on the high score, but it does, again, as I said, it gets a little repetitive after a while, so if you've got something else that you can do, you know, again, pop music, watch Netflix or something while you're doing it, it probably goes a lot easier and you get through it and you just, you know, time flies when you're having fun and uh, you probably do need something else going on while you're doing
0: this. Yeah, I've uh, I've actually been doing the very same thing. I've, you know, put on the TV or whatever or, you know, might be involved in a conversation with fleet mates or whatever uh, because it does become 9 mind-numbingly boring after a while. So I'll do it for a little bit and then I'll take a break and I'll do something else and then I'll come back to it because if I... I actually found this, if I try and do like an hour or two hours of farming this stuff, I end up missing an awful lot of them and I, my scores go down really, really low because my, my concentration is just gone after an hour or two hours of doing it because it's become so mind-numbingly boring.
2: It seems to me like the, like this minigame, the, the other thing that I don't like about it, is that it seems like it's contributing to lag. And I don't like to talk about lag because you know it's very different for everybody. But for the last sort of week and a half or so that this has been going on, it's I, I've had a lot of problems. I know there was a DDoS attack, but it is—is is it contributing to the lag because so many people are farming all the time?
0: I don't know if the Omega minigame is contributing to it. Um, I don't know enough about how the inner workings of it work. Like you said, I know that there has been several. DDoS attacks on the Neverwinter server which is also the same server for STO and that certainly will be causing problems I would be very curious to find out what Cryptic is doing to address DDoS attacks that's what I would be very very interested to find out, what are they actually doing what does it mean when they say they're investigating
2: yeah but what can you do
0: there has got to be some sort of security software even if it's and there's obviously no way that they'd ever tell us this, but when they say investigating, you know, does that mean they're tracking down an IP address and they're going to the feds and saying this person is DDoSing our servers and it's costing us money and you know players are getting annoyed. you know, I'd, I'd like to think that that's what's going on because the guy that's actually doing these DDoS attacks, he's tweeting about it when he's doing it. He's not hiding himself one bit.
2: Oh, it's so annoying. Do you know, I last weekend I actually recorded a very lengthy video, which is quite hilarious, which I'm, I think I'm, I'm... I'm thinking about putting some Benny Hill music on the background and uploading it to my YouTube channel because <laughs> it's uh, comical. I spent about five minutes trying to get from one end of Varanat Colony to the other. I, every time I'd go around a corner, I'd get transported back around the corner, and it was like... And so that was driving me crazy, but I don't know. I, I kind of attribute it to, I kind of attributed it to generally the, the the higher traffic because of the anniversary event and also because of this Omega thing going on, and maybe that's colored it in my mind. Good. Well, it was a good discussion anyway, and that actually brings us to this week's community question. What's your take on the Omega Particle minigame? Uh, are you a power grinder, or would you just as soon they skip it?
5: Again this week in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PWE and Cryptic that aren't officially announced on the blogs. Here's the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse.
2: Morgan at LaughingTrendy tweeted, Dear Abby, my coworker is a lizard man. What to do? Well, Morgan. Uh, first of all, uh, my name's Kenna, not Abby. But I can tell you this: uh, what you need to do is transform yourself into a lizard woman, and then you can have lizard babies because everyone loves lizard babies. So, xoxo, love me.
5: Thomas Moroni at cryptic underscore ttc wrote: soon, trademark.
2: Yes. Yeah, see, he's been hinting about this. I don't know what this is. Apparently, it's exciting. And apparently it's coming soon, TM. Thomas Maroney's done uh, UI design, hasn't he? Yes. We, we think of him as uh, ship design, but, huh.
0: Yeah, I think it was just last year that he got into that, but could be another ship, it could be another ship, who knows, it, it could be the Odyssey.
2: Could be that tier six Odyssey that we we know has been kind of vaguely hinted at in the blogs.
0: That's what it could be.
2: Yeah, hey Thomas, tweet me. Let me, let me know what's going on. Let's check in with Cookie and Elijah and find out what's on screen
1: on screen.
6: Hello Captains, I'm Cookie.
1: And I'm Elijah.
6: And this week we're reviewing The Battle, written by Herbert J. Wright and Larry Forrester and directed by Rob Bowman. This episode first aired November 16th, 1987.
1: The Enterprise is ordered by Starfleet to rendezvous with a Ferengi ship in the Zendi zabu star system. But... Something smells fishy when Damon Bach gifts to Picard the derelict USS Stargazer, Picard's first ship as captain.
6: Captain, I sense considerable deception on Bach's part, and danger. Here are some fun facts. A rare Brent Spiner blooper from this episode exists on the Blu-ray Season 1 disc set where Data walks through the Stargazer bridge and reads the dedication plaque in the voice of Jimmy Stewart, then adding...
3: USS Stargazer. For God's sakes, Mary, they built this thing in Bedford (laughs) Falls.
6: I call it a rare blooper because it's very hard to find Brent Spiner bloopers.
1: Director Rob Bowman commented on filming the flashback scenes aboard the Stargazer, quote, it was just Patrick on stage and when I shot first unit, I put a little compass, a degree meter, on the camera and got vertical, horizontal and lateral degrees. Height of the camera, lens and so on. Special Effects Supervisor Rob Legato, then would go back and do matching shots of the people in the chairs, overexpose them, put a number 5 fog filter on, and transparent them about 50% on the screen so that they looked like ghosts. That was all done in post-production. It was kind of hairy, and as far as I know, I was the first person to use Steadicam on the show, which was fun. I tried to use the Steadicam when I go on to other spaceships, just to give them a different feel from the Enterprise. That sense of uneasiness. But working with Patrick was a real thrill. End quote.
6: The Stargazer was originally supposed to be a Constitution-class starship, but it was later changed to Constellation-class cruiser. This had to be redubbed several times, so any time the actors say Constellation-class cruiser, they were actually saying Constitution-class. Will Wheaton stated in his online review of the episode that, quote... Having Wesley figure out the problem and the solution before the senior staff could was perhaps the worst way to help the audience accept this kid is going to be part of the main crew. Wesley cements his relationship with Trekkies by muttering,
4: You're welcome ladies. Adults.
6: After they leave the room. Oh that's pure genius writing there guys, that's not going to alienate a single fan. Bravo. End quote. Can you sense the sarcasm there? I think so. (laughs) Oh, come on, Will, it wasn't that bad. Besides, everyone already kind of hated him from the Naked Now episode. Speaking of Wesley, this episode marks the first time he wore his iconic rainbow-striped shirt.
1: Oh. So what do you think of the episode overall, though?
6: Well first I asked myself, why did they beam the Ferengi directly to the bridge if they knew they might be a danger? Shouldn't the bridge be restricted from shady visitors? And boy, were they shady indeed. That whole master plan, poor Picard. I mean, the dude spent his life savings on getting revenge, which is kind of a big deal for Ferengi.
1: And I have spent these years seeking the proper, broad revenge, and I found it! I am rich,
0: Picard. Yet two of these cost me the profits of an entire
6: life. Granted, Picard did kill his son, but it was in self-defense. What did the guy expect him to do? And the fact that the Ferengi even have these mind control devices is freaking SCARY to me! I still don't quite understand how it works. How can they target a person's mind from afar without any kind of, like, initial hookup or targeting? Or... it's... I mean... They only focus on the one pro- How come they don't focus on other people? It doesn't affect anybody else around them, just that one person? I don't get it. I don't, that part confuses me. But, of course, our little genius prodigy Wesley was pretty much the one who figured it out and saved him. We should keep a count of how many times Wesley saves the day and how many times Data does because I bet it would be pretty close. No, nah,
1: because f- Wesley gets booted later on in the series.
6: But, yeah, I have a feeling Data would win anyway because he saves, saves people all the time. Uh, I was impressed with the Ferengi First Officer, Kazago. He didn't seem to be involved with the deception and was honest when he was asked questions about it, and then later removed his captain, or Damon, from command, although he said it was just because his actions were unprofitable.
1: We do not wish to become involved in what has become clearly a Federation matter. You should also note that Damon Bach no longer commands this vessel. His first officer has confined him for engaging in this unprofitable adventure. Good luck, First Officer Riker
6: but I would like to think that there was more to it than that. So this was the first glimmer of good that we've seen so far from a Ferengi. Yay, I'll take it. Another thing I noticed is that the sickbay has absolutely no privacy at all. Anyone can just walk in while you're getting a medical exam. I never really like noticed that before until Picard was being treated in this episode. People walking in while the captain's getting his examination just seems undignified to me. I guess the whole episode kind of showed a different side of Picard—a humbled, vulnerable side.
1: That's a really good point, actually, because that even starts with the original series. The beds are just next to each other, and there's no there's no curtain. Like, yeah, I wouldn't want that. Mm-mm, no worries. And you know, if, God forbid you have to visit the hospital and or the emergency room. If you're sharing a room with somebody, there's usually a curtain that you pull and it, you know separates you. But no, not in. Oh, you know who does have it. The Enterprise in... Enterprise, the NXO one Oh, really? They have little... Yeah, they have little curtains. So,
6: it, something ap- after that time changed. I don't know. They all stopped all the caring. later ones. They were
1: like, oh, if I have to turn my head and cough in front of you, okay, that's fine. Now you can walk in on that.
6: <laughs> oh, man. So, what did you think of the episode?
1: So, it's funny, because just last week I was talking about how much of an ass Picard seems to be in these early episodes. And here we are with a dedicated Picard episode... And you're right, there is a, a, a sense of vulnerability, and yet he's still quite stubborn. And stubbornness is not a typical character trait I would associate with him. Damned headache. A what? Headache, headache. Surely you know what a headache is?
6: Of course.
2: But I don't often encounter them. I see nothing physically wrong, but I want to run some
4: additional scans in sickbay.
1: Doctor, all I've got is...
4: Is an order to report to sickbay. I'm the only person aboard this ship who can give you an order.
1: So this is very much a lore episode in that it establishes some interesting backstory for Picard. We find out that he previously commanded the Stargazer and lost that ship in a firefight with a Ferengi. We also learn about the Picard maneuver.
0: I uh, improvised with the enemy vessel coming in for the kill. I ordered a sensor bearing and when it came into the return arc, You performed what Starfleet textbooks now refer to as the Picard Maneuver. Well, I did what any good helmsman would have done. I dropped into high warp, stopped right off the enemy
4: vessel's bow, fired with everything I had. And blowing into maximum warp speed, you appeared for an instant to be in two places at once. And our attacker fired on the wrong one.
1: Now, regarding the whole... Mind device thing you're right it's a wonky plot device another weak part of the plot was the crew's concern with the stargazer's computer logs i mean it's nice that data pulled some technical tricks to verify the forgery but did no one else on the bridge of the stargazer survive was there really a concern that picard might get court-martialed or something or was lying about the encounter moving on from that at least we learn that ferengi are more than just little monkey people but that they, too, feel loss and grieve. (laughs) I have been waiting a long nine years for this, Picard. I don't know
0: what
6: you're talking about.
0: Can you not remember the crime you committed against
1: my very blood? You murdered my only son. Your son? He was commander of the ship you destroyed on his first voyage as Daemon. What was cool about this episode were the special effects. The little skirmish between the Enterprise and the Stargazer was satisfying, and so was the use of the steady cam and the ghostly figures, although those ghostly figures looked mighty calm for reenacting a starship battle with fire and smoke and explosions. I know.
6: I noticed that. I was like, nobody's worried. They're just, just kind of sitting there relaxed. Just chill. They're all just chill. Yeah.
1: So what's the big takeaway from this episode? Is it that revenge is often unsatisfying? That a captain must rely on his crew during his most trying times? I don't know, probably both. Now what was your favorite quote from the episode?
6: When Riker is trying to talk to the Ferengi First Officer, Kazago, and he says...
4: Just one question. As you humans say, I'm all ears.
6: I don't know, I liked that character, and I like that he has a sense of humor. What about
4: you?
1: So, it's hilarious how often Worf gets shut down and or made to feel stupid. (laughs) And so my favorite little clip is when they're narrowing down what might be transmitting this rogue signal. And Tasha turns to Worf.
6: You transferred some of his belongings from the stargazer?
1: Yes. Including a fairly heavy chest. Go take a look. Fast. She totally gives him a look like, you idiot. You didn't bother to check the contents before bringing it on board? (laughs) And Worf just stands there like, I'm me- I sorry.
6: <laughs> Poor Worf, yeah. That happens a lot to him. So that brings us to our community question. Should the Enterprise have tracked down the Ferengi vessel and taken Damon Bach into custody after having saved Picard?
1: Also, I have a side question, a Starfleet question for all our diehard Trekkies. When abandoning ship, Isn't it important to make sure that it's going to be obliterated in order to avoid it falling into the wrong hands? Isn't it, like, procedure to maybe issue a self-destruct command or something? I don't don't know.
6: That's true. They never tried to look for it again. Right. It's kind of floating around. Maybe after this episode, they made it a policy.
1: Maybe. Who knows? I'm sure that after a lot of these first episodes, they started making a lot of policies because the card (laughs) was just like... Let's just visit a planet that doesn't even have warp capabilities yet, and then get into a fight with their god.
6: (laughs) Well, that wraps it up for this week's on-screen review for Star Trek The Next Generation, The Battle. Now let's visit the promenade with Jake Morgan and find out what Star Trek goodies we might want to add to our collection.
4: Oh, hey. Welcome back to the promenade. Sorry about the mess. Please excuse the commotion. New York Toy Fair is coming. From February 13th to February 16th, merchandisers, parents, children, and collectors will flock to Gotham for the toy equivalent of STLV. Or maybe STNYC? And while to the best of my knowledge, Priority One will not have a presence, we will keep our arrays pointed at the Big Apple. Stay tuned to our social media outlets. That's Facebook and Twitter where we will be forwarding all the Star Trek toy news to you. So this month we'll do something a little different. Let's drum up some excitement for these magical imagination-fueling story-making plastic goodies. Why is a grown man so obviously excited about little pieces of plastic, you may be asking? Well, frankly, because the Promenade was created to cover the useful, unique, fun, quirky, and exciting Star Trek products we're sure to see at New York Toy Fair action figures, dolls, building blocks, bobbleheads, games, throwbacks, they'll all be on display at Toy Fair, and more than a few may feature our favorite IP. It's no small secret that CBS and Paramount have been looking to make a 50th anniversary splash. On June 9, 2015, under a large overhanging Enterprise A, CBS courted would-be licensees at the Las Vegas Licensing Expo. In an impressive display featuring products from Mego to Art Asylum and everything in between, CBS reminded would-be partners that Star Trek has a rich and lucrative merchandising history. So despite some meek Star Trek showings in years past, this NYTF could show some really exciting things. What might we see? It's certain we'll see the Mezco 112 Collective Star Trek line. In a preview showing of some upcoming products, Mezco released shots of the previously confirmed Spock and Sulu, as well as the never-before-seen Captain Kirk. The 112 Collective is basically a 12-inch collector's doll, for lack of a better word. Think Barbie Dolls times 10,000. The detailing and screen likeness is spot on, and each features interchangeable heads and hands. I can't wait to see more, these are really nice. Aside from preview nights like this, only the participants know for sure what will be shown. But that shouldn't stop our rampant speculation. Star Trek Beyond opens in theaters July 22nd, so it's a fair bet some Beyond product will be shown. I'm not holding out hope for anything as substantial as an action figure line. The Playmates' 2009 offerings hurt almost any chance of that, but some tie-ins are bound to be out there. Art Asylum, the company that brings us some great Star Trek products including mini mates, prop replicas, and electronic starships, is certain to have a presence as well. They've been working on a TNG phaser replica which will probably be on display. Art Asylum also has a line called Star Trek Select, which is more like a statue diorama than an action figure, but they're pretty cool. Their next release is Khan. So don't be surprised if you see the space-seed villain sitting on a display shelf somewhere. Round out the probable additions with the electronic NX-01 and NCC-1701 and the super fun retro clothing action figures, which are basically recreations of the classic 7-inch 70's action figures and playsets. And Art Asylum may have the biggest Star Trek presence out there. But maybe not. Back at that licensing expo mentioned earlier, it was revealed that Mega Bloks had the rights to produce Star Trek building sets. The sets will initially focus on the original series, and the display consisted of 11 minifigures including a bridge crew, a Klingon, and mirror variants. Later in the year, at New York Comic Con, more sets, a target release date, and prices were revealed. It's more likely than not that even more sets, pricing, figures, and info will be revealed at Toy Fair. Mega Bloks has come a long way. What was once a LEGO rip-off has transformed into less a LEGO competitor and more a mature audience version of the Construction King. The minifigures are stylized, to be sure, but have a more action figure feel than other building block competitors. Accessories are intricate, detailed, and plentiful. Finally, the themes of many of the sets are more PG-13. Halo, Call of Duty, and Assassin's Creed are represented, as well as other properties including the Terminator and the recently released Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I can't wait to see how Mega Bloks tackles Trek. So, who wants to play with some toys? Let's rock the plastic! I call first pixies. (laughs) I hope you're as excited as we are for New York Toy Fair. Links to the items discussed can be found in the show notes, so please be sure to check them out if you haven't already. And remember to keep an eye on Priority One for all your Toy Fair Star Trek news links. Have any comments about the segment or anything discussed herein? We'd love to hear your thoughts, so let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comments section. And remember, you keep an eye on the stars, we'll keep an eye on the market. Until next time. Now let's open Hailing Frequencies and see what's incoming.
6: Message coming in,
4: sir. Hailing Frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other.
2: Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open Hailing Frequencies and see what's incoming.
3: Chris Keene posted on our Facebook wall. So uh, Chris has decided, after some hemming and hawing, to uh, head for Star Trek Las Vegas for the 50th anniversary. And he's very excited about it, or was, until... He found out there was also going to be a New York convention, he would always wanted to visit New York and it's actually probably logistically an easier place for somebody traveling internationally to get around with public transportation and there's lots more things to see and do besides just Star Trek. So he's a little bit miffed and then Elijah goes and sings the praises of the New York convention and strongly indicates that priority one will have a presence there. As a, as a member of the team, which is, uh, manages the Priority One Productions, I can state to you clearly and firmly that uh, we will attempt to have a presence at both the Star Trek Las Vegas convention and the New York convention. Nothing is set in stone yet. Uh, we have uh, the beginnings of plans, uh, not to say we have actual plans yet, but the beginnings of plans, and if at all possible, we're going to try to be at both. Uh, which personnel wind up covering which events at which times. Too early to say, but uh, we hope to see uh, fans of Priority One podcast at both places. So if, if uh, as Mr. Keene was, was disappointed, perhaps Priority One not being there, maybe Elijah won't be there, but uh, Priority One is certainly going to try to make both conventions happen.
2: Well, I think that Chris raises a good point, actually. I think there will be a number of people who have shelled out quite a lot of money to get to STLV when actually they would have been happy with New York and I think there will be some people who are disappointed that they didn't know about New York before STLV kind of because it kind of opened and it was a real bun fight to get your tickets and yeah
3: Speaking personally, we kind of touched on this with the whole uh, Destination London thing, destination uh, Star Trek Destination you know, there's a lot of ways those conventions rip you off a lot of ways and you'll be amazed at how clever they are about it. One of the ways that the Star Trek Las Vegas situation evolved is that everybody knows going into it it's going to be huge. And so they advertise up front, this is going to be huge, book early, book often. And then you do, and then all of a sudden you're locked in, and all of a sudden you no longer have the choice to do it. It's it's kind of a, I mean, it's sort of an age-old dirty trick. That that you know, hey, it's going to be a huge event, and you better order it soon or before supplies run out. Kind of, kind of what happened here, and I, and to be brutally honest with you, we were we we were caught up in it too. You know, uh, we were there at the convention; and they were passing out little sheets saying, "You better hurry up and get a booth quick uh, before they're gone." So, you know, we we feel your pain, Mister Keen. We feel your pain, but we are going to still try to, if at all possible, make both make an appearance uh, and be present at both of those conventions.
2: Yeah, and the the flip side, of course, to this is that if you were somebody who wasn't sure about your availability or wasn't sure about what your plans were going to be and you waited and you missed your chance with STLV, I think it's fair to say that you will have plenty of other choices to visit other Star Trek cons around the country sometime this year I think there will be, unlike last year where there was practically nothing I think you'll have plenty of opportunities uh, to, to go and see something that you want to this year so I think that on the flip side is a very good thing so yeah hope to see you there so Jay Galloway also posted on priority1podcast.com I have confirmed my tickets for Star Trek Las Vegas, so I will be there with my fellow fleet mates of Fleet 31. Now, with that said, perhaps you can answer the question I posted to you on Facebook. Are you going to Star Trek Las Vegas to represent Priority 1? Well, I have to refer you, Jay, to the previous answer, and we are going to try and have presence at as many of the conventions as we can, as many of the events as we can.
3: Yeah, I... Given Elijah's physical location, it's there's a strong probability that he'll be at the New York one. We don't know if he'll be able to make it to the Las Vegas one. But he might, because, you know, he's, he's an active guy. He likes to do this sort of stuff. So, well, I mean, it's still early. Plans are still being made, uh, and we don't know yet. Uh, so, you know, keep it tuned here. And, of course, he's he's out this week conveniently, so, you know, I'm here holding the bag for him. So... But we'll, 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 we'll make those plans, and when we have them made, we'll certainly let you guys know. Charles Alpenny posted on Facebook and says, A little thing. Starfleet Academy in Ottawa doesn't leave in June. It stays until September. I can't wait.
2: I really hope somebody in the UK does Starfleet Academy, because I want to go to Starfleet Academy, too! So bad! You don't know how much of my childhood was taken up with me daydreaming about going to Starfleet Academy.
3: Did you have a Starfleet Academy Trapper Keeper?
2: I, I didn't, no. No, I didn't, no. I went to space camp, which was awesome, and that was kind of my little slice of... I just kind of pretended like it was Starfleet Academy, I guess, but, um, yeah, that would just be cool.
3: It's about the best you could do here on Earth right now.
2: Yeah, and you guys should totally be jealous, because it was amazing, but... You can actually go now. You can go as an adult. It, it's back now. It was away for a while, but it's back. You can go in Hun- Huntsville, Alabama.
3: Can I, fit, do they, can I fit into the tiny kid-sized space shuttle, do you think?
2: Uh... <laughs> I don't know. The, the coolest thing I remember about Space Camp is that they actually, like, the, all of the, the housing for it was in these cool, like, spacey pods. I remember the wallpaper, which is weird, but it was all sort of, like, bumpy gray, and they were all sort of these round rooms with the bunk beds, and it was all very space agent cool. It was amazing. I
3: think the takeaway from this show is is that can remembers remember sandwiches and wallpaper? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's those yeah. details.
2: Yeah, it's weird things that you remember, though.
5: Small Yoda commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com, I quite enjoyed the new featured episode. I liked that we finally got to learn more about the temporal chords as it was something referenced in Enterprise but not explained in detail. Spoiler alert, I didn't see noise treachery coming. He even had the same goal as Anorax did. He wanted to force time to give him back his wife. The ending felt like something that could rival the best of both worlds. I'm looking forward to part two and I'm interested to learn more about the role that the Spear Builders played in all of this. I really did like this uh, new episode myself and uh, first of all the, uh, the assembly hall was absolutely well done. I, I do agree with Small Yoda. It does rival Best of world, Both Worlds. I'm even kind of humming the uh, music at the end and there. Dun dun, dun 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 So uh, I, I really did like the episode, and I am looking forward to uh, part two of it.
2: I don't know I, What I think is really interesting is I like hearing from other people who didn't see it coming because, well, like I mentioned last week, because I theorized all the stuff that would happen, and so I did see it coming, and therefore it was a little bit of a disappointment. But, but it's great to hear from people who didn't, and kind of get their reaction and their enthusiasm of it. So thanks for writing in, Small Yoda. Also on the forum post for this episode, Shadow 1766 wrote, New episode was good, setting looked awesome, and story is okay, but a little predictable. I agree with you there. Anniversary event is a lag fest. Multiple attempts to log on, then lag everywhere. Seriously, this is the sixth year. All the mini games were there last year and the lag is unbelievable. A bit disappointing as I like the Omega mini game and don't remember it being that bad last year. No, I, I disagree with that, because I think the lag was worse last year.
0: Oh, last year was unplayable.
2: But yeah, the, the, it still is a little, it's, it's difficult. It's, especially because the, so many people, like you guys, do love the Omega minigame. You want to kind of draw people in, and actually all the publicity is kind of people complaining about the lag, which is a shame.
5: Chio Yumiki wrote on Priority PriorityOnePodcast.com Hey P1, great to have everyone back. As for what I thought of the anniversary featured episode, I loved it. I can honestly say I didn't see most of it coming because I had brushed the protagonist off. It felt great. It played like a real episode of Star Trek. The ups, the downs, very reminiscent of a good Voyager episode. I love that we we're filling in the gaps that Enterprise series laid down and I feel the ending was very big. To be continued, making our next forthcoming episode be part two. I especially loved the ending sequence, although I wish that, spoiler alert, we had fallen out of warp and back to normal space, graphic-wise. But overall it was fantastic. I give it 10 nerve tonics out of, damn it, cookie, stop drinking my rating system.
2: And our final community question for last week was about our on-screen segment. What do you think about Picard's diplomacy and Justice, and did he even use diplomacy? So Sean Newboy answered, It was typical of the first couple seasons. The UFP is always right. Those rebels attacked our people, crushed them for the new culture. Those rebels appealed to us and the other side was rude. Let them crush the new culture we just bet. Highly entertaining episode.
3: We love hearing from you. So leave us a voicemail by clicking on the Pipe widget on our homepage. And that's in addition to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority1podcast our Twitter page, at Pod, and, of course, you can always leave us a comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com.
2: Well, that wraps up episode 257 of Priority One Podcast. We'd like to send a special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Navy Boats Lou, Stephen Humphrey, and Rarva.
3: But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. How has Star Trek influenced your life? What's your take on the Omega Particle minigame on Star Trek Online? Are you a power grinder, or would you just as soon they skip it? And finally, from our on-screen review of The Battle, should the Enterprise have tracked down the Ferengi vessel and taken Damon Bok into custody after saving Picard?
2: Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our website. You can also leave a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority1podcast or tweet us via at priority1pod. You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
3: Be sure not to miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave us a review. More importantly, help spread the word about the show. Now that we're covering all things Star Trek, be sure to retweet and share our posts. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going.
2: Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. I hear it's pretty cool. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice.
3: Thanks to our graphic artists Romila Nale and Jason Smith, and if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series Jonathan Tawry can be commissioned at jon.tawry.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor L, to the writer of our skits Jake Morgan, to our video editor Jerry Tillman, and to consultant Midnight Shadow Seven of Hollow Media for supporting the show.
2: Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria De Post, and James Calvin. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red Alert.
0: Ready weapons. Engage. Engage.
2: got in the recording booth as always our audio engineer winters who should hopefully keep us on track
0: hello everybody is that what you
3: do here what is that what winters does here keeps things on track
2: he kind of he's like the secondary secondary whip cracker
0: oh okay i'm very lenient
2: <laughs> so a lot li- <laughs> dude you guys are missing my joke you're ruining it
3: Unfortunately, it was showing some serious wear and tear, and was taken down in order to be. Stru-
0: <laughs> oh dear! Yeah. He-
2: oh my
0: yes. I'm having <laughs> a, a gasket. <laughs> yeah. Clutch is slipping. Beep, beep. <coughs>
2: Unfortunately. <Shh>. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry.
3: Doing art here.
2: You gotta, well, you know, you got to let that art out, you know, you don't want right, to do. be holding in. You don't want to be hold that, holding Wait, that that's... art in for too long, Tony. You know,
3: there's the show, there's then... the post-production show, right? And then there's the unedited raw show. Yeah. And then there's the stuff we don't even let go on the chat, you know, on the live <laughs> show, okay? This, that was a category three joke, what you just made right
2: there. So. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> oh, Come excellent. on, we, wanna hear, we want to we hear your art.
3: Unfortunately, it was showing some serious wear and tear and was taken down in order to be, to be, God,
1: (laughs) (laughs) see,
2: but if you're like me, you could pretty much do three or four of the museums and you got natural history museum and there's national gallery and all sorts of stuff there that you can go and see. So yeah, good times all right and
3: so your packet of crisps is now fully emptied and you're, you're ready to throw it away <laughs> warp engines and the warp engines have to like see each other across the hull and have to like be above the saucer and, and you know he had rules right he had he had scientific reasons for that
2: yeah
3: and and we ate chips on the star trek set and we we munched them and crunched them so that we could hear it on on the team speaker party. <laughs> and that's what we did in the 60s with the Enterprise. Yeah.
2: What
0: the hell is going on over there?
2: Tarso, we can. Everyone can hear you eating.
0: I'm tired. so nice. <laughs> all right. All right. Two can play that Carry game. on.
3: Die Mountain Dew, baby. Oh, yeah.
0: So <laughs> when you have to drive home? Is yeah, that's right, a,
3: I, better, I better ease off. I <laughs> better ease off the of Diet Mountain Dew. Diet
2: Mountain Dew simultaneously says I'm a badass and I'm a dad at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm like hard and like cool with down with the kids I'm a badass, but I'm, ass, watching,
1: but my but I'm sugar watching my figure intake.
5: Next, it's the Starship Mastery trait, which you'll unlock once you reach Tier 5 Mastery. Unstable anomalies causes Gravwell and Tychon Riff to inflict heavy kinetic damage within a 5 kilometer area. Effective, James.
0: Yes. You're going to have to back up. Anomalies came out a little bit funky.
5: I was actually practicing that for about five minutes on that <laughs> no. so, an- one. Anomalies.
2: Using. I love it. I love it. Anomalies it's like are so cuter than normal anomalies. It's like
5: aluminum.
2: Yeah. It's like, it, it, it's, it's aluminium. Um, but yeah, uh, an anomaly or whatever it was. It's like this whoa, little whoa, you guys were vanity doing vanity pets. The li- that's what I think. So anomalies are big and scary and anomalies. And when you are guys like were
5: really when cute. you guys were doing the last segment taking a lot of extra time, I was actually running through this and I kept going anomalies. Anomalies. Anomalies? Anomalies. So let's go back to next. It's a starship mastery trait. Okay. Thomas Marone at Crypto Thomas Marone Thank you. See I told you I'd mess it up. Like, I'm gonna put the actual pronunciations yeah. next to names now on Just this. Like
2: Boney Maroney, uh, off yeah, that song. Boney Maroney. Yeah.
5: Thomas, see, <laughs> thank you. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I need it. <laughs> Thomas Maroney.
2: You <laughs> get uh, One day, one day, I'm gonna meet him, and he's gonna be like, "Dude, you guys, you guys butcher my name every week." <laughs> 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 so.
3: Be sure not to miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priority1podcast.com and ignore changes Winters tries to make to the copy.
2: Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. I hear it's pretty cool. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show and Tony, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice.
3: You don't have to just like me. There's other people there too. Probably like them better.
2: <laughs> Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio.
0: <laughs> and ignore changes. Winters tries to make I haven't party. met these changes. This was Lennon last oh, week.
2: God! This is Lennon. You
3: miss a thong. Don't miss a thong with Star Trek.
2: <laughs> don't miss a thong. Cheesy <laughs> stir Trek. Cheesy,
0: just cheesy. Oh. I have to give that man a okay, talking th- to. <laughs> All right, that one was me. Yeah. I did take the thong one. <laughs> Ha <laughs>